chapter thirty four of mrs craddock by william somerset mom this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva but if the human soul or the heart or the mind call it what you will is an instrument upon which countless melodies may be played it is capable of responding for very long to no single one time dulls the most exquisite emotions softens the most heart-rending grief the story is old of the philosopher who sought to console a woman in distress by the account of tribulations akin to hers and upon losing his only son was sent by her a list of all kings similarly bereaved he read it acknowledged its correctness but wept none the less three months later the philosopher and the lady were surprised to find one another quite gay and erected a fine monument to time with the inscription a celui qui console when bertha vowed that life had lost all savour that her ennui was unending she exaggerated as usual and almost grew angry on discovering that existence could be more supportable than she supposed one gets used to all things it is only very misanthropic persons who pretend that they cannot accustom themselves to the stupidity of their fellows for after a while one gets hardened to the most desperate bores and monotony even ceases to be quite monotonous accommodating herself to circumstances bertha found life less tedious it was a calm river and presently she came to the conclusion that it ran more easily without the cascades and waterfalls the eddies whirlpools and rocks which had disturbed its course the man who can still dupe himself with illusions has a future not lacking in brightness the summer brought a certain variety and bertha found amusement in things which before had never interested her she went to sheltered parts to see if favorite wild flowers had begun to blow her love of liberty made her prefer the hedge-roses to the pompous blooms of the garden the buttercups and daisies of the field to the prim geranium and the calcellaria time fled and she was surprised to find the year pass imperceptibly she began to read with greater zest and in her favorite seat on the sofa by the window spent long hours of pleasure she read as fancy prompted her without a plan because she wished and not because she ought how can they say that england is decadent when its young ladies are so strenuous she obtained pleasure by contrasting different writers gaining emotions from the gravity of one and the frivolity of the next she went from the latest novel to the orlando furioso from the euphues of john lilly most entertaining and whimsical of books to the passionate corruption of verlaine with a lifetime before her the length of books was no hindrance and she started boldly upon the eight volumes of the decline and fall upon the many tomes of saint-simon and she never hesitated to put them aside after a hundred pages 
bertha found reality tolerable when it was merely a background a foil to the fantastic happenings of old books she looked at the green trees and the song of birds mingled agreeably with her thoughts still occupied perhaps with the dolorous night of la mancha with manon lescaut or with the joyous band that wanders through the decameron with greater knowledge came greater curiosity and she forsook the broad high-roads of literature for the mountain pathways of some obscure poet for the bridle tracks of the spanish picaroon she found unexpected satisfaction in the half-forgotten masterpieces of the past in poets not quite divine whom fashion had left on one side in the playwrights and novelists and essayists whose remembrance lives only with the bookworm it is a relief sometimes to look away from the bright sun of perfect achievement and the writers who appealed to their age and not to posterity have by contrast a subtle charm undazzled by their splendor one may discern more easily their individualities and the spirit of their time they have pleasant qualities not always found among their betters and there is even a certain pathos in their incomplete success in music also bertha developed a taste for the half-known the half-archaic it suited the georgian drawing-room with its old pictures with its chippendale and chintz to play the simple melodies of couperin and rameau the rondos the gavottes the sonatinas in powder and patch which delighted the rococo lords and ladies of a past century living away from the present in an artificial paradise bertha was almost completely happy she found indifference to the whole world a trusty armor life was easy without love or hate hope or despair without ambition desire of change or tumultuous passion so bloom the flowers unconscious uncaring the bud bursts from the enclosing leaf and opens to the sunshine squanders its perfume to the breeze and there is none to see its beauty and then it dies bertha found it possible to look back upon the past years with something like amusement it seemed now melodramatic to have loved the simple edward with such violence and she was able even to smile at the contrast between her vivid expectations and the flat reality gerald was a pleasantly sentimental memory she did not wish to see him again but thought of him often idealizing him till he became unsubstantial as a character in a favorite book her winter in italy also formed the motive of some of her most delightful thoughts and she determined never to spoil the impression by another visit she had advanced a good deal in the art of life when she realized that pleasure came by surprise that happiness was a spirit which descended unawares and seldom when it was sought edward had fallen into a life of such activity that his time was entirely taken up he had added largely to the lay estate and with the second-rate man's belief that you must do a thing yourself to have it well done kept the farms under his immediate supervision 
he was an important member of all the rural bodies he was on the school board on the board of guardians on the county council he was chairman of the urban district council president of the leanham cricket club president of the faversley football club patron of the black stable regatta he was on the committee of the turkenberry dog show and an enthusiastic supporter of the mid kent agricultural exhibition he was a pillar of the black stable conservative association a magistrate and a churchwarden finally he was an ardent freemason and flew over kent to attend the meetings of the half-dozen lodges of which he was a member but the amount of work did not disturb him lord bless you he said i love work you can't give me too much if there's anything to be done come to me and i'll do it and say thank you for giving me the chance edward had always been even-tempered but now his good nature was quite angelic it became a byword his success was according to his deserts and to have him concerned in a matter was an excellent insurance he was always jovial and gay contented with himself and with the world at large he was a model squire landlord farmer conservative man englishman he did everything thoroughly and his energy was such that he made a point of putting into every concern twice as much work as it really needed he was busy from morning till night as a rule quite unnecessarily and he gloried in it it shows i'm an excellent woman said bertha to miss glover to support his virtues with equanimity my dear i think you ought to be very proud and happy he's an example to the whole country if he were my husband i should be grateful to god i have much to be thankful for murmured bertha since he let her go her own way and she was only too pleased that he should go his there was really no possibility of difference and edward wise man came to the conclusion that he had effectually tamed his wife he thought with good-humoured scorn that he had been quite right when he likened women to chickens animals which to be happy required no more than a good run well fenced in where they could scratch about to their heart's content feed em regularly and let em cackle and there you are it is always satisfactory when experience verifies the hypothesis of your youth one year remembering by accident their wedding day edward gave his wife a bracelet and feeling benevolent in consequence and having dined well he patted her hand and remarked time does fly doesn't it i have heard people say so she replied smiling well who'd have thought we'd been married eight years it doesn't seem above eighteen months to me and we've got on very well haven't we my dear edward you are such a model husband it quite embarrasses me sometimes ha ha that's a good one but i can say this for myself i do try to do my duty of course at first we had our little tiffs people have to get used to one another and one can't expect to have all plain sailing just at once 
but for years now well ever since you went to italy i think we've been as happy as the day is long haven't we yes dear when i look back at the little rumpuses we used to have upon my word i wonder what they were all about so do i and this bertha said quite truthfully i suppose it was just the weather i dare say ah well all's well that ends well my dear edward you're a philosopher i don't know about that but i think i'm a politician which reminds me that i've not read about the new men of war in today's paper what i've been agitating about for years is more ships and more guns i'm glad to see the government have taken my advice at last it's very satisfactory isn't it it will encourage you to persevere and of course it's nice to know that the cabinet read your speeches in the black stable times i think it would be a good sight better for the country if those in power paid more attention to provincial opinion it's men like me who really know the feeling of the nation you might get me the paper will you it's in the dining-room it seemed quite natural to edward that bertha should wait upon him it was the duty of a wife she handed him the standard and he began to read he yawned once or twice lord i am sleepy presently he could not keep his eyes open the paper dropped from his hand and he sank back in his chair with legs outstretched his hands resting comfortably on his stomach his head lolled to one side and his jaw dropped and he began to snore bertha read after a while he woke with a start bless me i do believe i've been asleep he cried well i'm dead tired i think i shall go to bed i suppose you won't come up yet not just yet well don't stay up too late there's a good girl it's not good for you and put the lights out properly when you come she turned to him her cheek which he kissed stifling a yawn then he rolled upstairs there's one advantage in edward murmured bertha no one could accuse him of being uxorious mariage a la mode bertha's solitary walk was to the sea the shore between blackstable and the medway was extraordinarily wild at distant intervals were the long low buildings of the coastguard stations and the clean pink walls the neat railings the well-kept gravel contrasted rather surprisingly with the surrounding desolation one could walk for miles without meeting a soul and the country spread out from the sea low and flat and marshy the beach was of countless shells of every possible variety which crumbled underfoot while here and there were great banks of seaweed and bits of wood or rope the jetsam of a thousand tides in one spot a few yards out but high and dry at low water were the remains of an old hulk whose wooden ribs stood out weirdly like the skeleton of some huge sea-beast and then all round was the lonely sea with never a ship nor a fishing smack in sight in winter it was as if a spirit of solitude like a mystic shroud 
had descended upon the shore and upon the desert waters then in the melancholy in the dreariness bertha found a subtle fascination the sky was a threatening heavy cloud low down and the wind tore along shouting screaming and whistling there was panic in the turbulent sea murky and yellow and the waves leaped up one at the other's heels and beat down on the beach with an angry roar it was desolate desolate the sea was so merciless that the very sight appalled one it was a wrathful power beating forwards ever wrathfully beating forwards roaring with pain when the chains that bound it wrenched it back and after each desperate effort it shrank with a yell of anguish and the seagulls swayed above the waves in their melancholy flight rising and falling with the wind bertha loved also the calm of winter when the sea mist and the mist of heaven were one when the sea was silent and heavy and the solitary gull flew screeching over the gray waters screeching mournfully she loved the calm of summer when the sky was cloudless and infinite then she spent long hours lying at the water's edge delighted with the solitude and with her absolute peace the sea placid as a lake unmoved by the lightest ripple was a looking-glass reflecting the glory of heaven and it turned to fire when the sun sank in the west it was a sea of molten copper red brilliant so that the eyes were dazzled a troop of seagulls slept on the water and there were hundreds of them motionless and silent one arose now and then and flew for a moment with heavy wing and sank down and all was still once the coolness was so tempting that bertha could not resist it timidly rapidly she slipped off her clothes and looking round to see that there was really no one in sight stepped in the wavelets about her feet made her shiver a little and then with a splash stretching out her arms she ran forward and half fell half dived into the water now it was delightful she rejoiced in the freedom of her limbs for it was an unknown pleasure to swim unhampered by costume it gave a fine sense of power and the salt water lapping round her was wonderfully exhilarating she wanted to sing aloud in the joy of her heart diving below the surface she came up with a shake of the head and a little cry of delight then her hair was loosened and with emotion it all came tumbling about her shoulders and trailed out in its ringlets over the water she swam out a fearless swimmer and it gave her a feeling of strength and independence to have the deep waters all about her the deep calm sea of summer she turned on her back and floated trying to look the sun in the face the sea glimmered with the sunbeams and the sky was dazzling then returning bertha floated again quite near the shore it amused her to lie on her back rocked by the tiny waves and to sink her ears so that she could hear the shingle rub together curiously with the ebb and flow of the tide she shook out her long hair and it stretched about her like an aureole she exulted in her youth in her youth bertha felt no older than when she was eighteen and yet she was thirty the thought made her wince 
for she had never realized the passage of the years she had never imagined that her youth was waning did people think her already old the sickening fear came to her that she resembled miss hancock attempting by archness and by an assumption of frivolity to persuade her neighbors that she was juvenile bertha asked herself whether she was ridiculous when she rolled in the water like a young girl you cannot act the mermaid with crow's feet about your eyes with wrinkles round your mouth in a panic she dressed herself and going home flew to a looking-glass she scrutinized her features as she had never done before searching anxiously for the sign she feared to see she looked at her neck and at her eyes her skin was as smooth as ever her teeth as perfect she gave a sigh of relief i see no difference then doubly to reassure herself a fantastic idea seized bertha to dress as though she were going to a great ball she wished to see herself to all advantage she chose the most splendid gown she had and took out her jewels the lays had sold every vestige of their old magnificence but their diamonds with characteristic obstinacy they had invariably declined to part with and they lay aside year after year unused the stones in their old settings dulled with dust and neglect the moisture still in bertha's hair was an excuse to do it capriciously and she placed in it the beautiful tiara which her grandmother had worn in the regency on her shoulders she wore two ornaments exquisitely set in gold work purloined by a great-uncle in the peninsular war from the saint of a spanish church she slipped a string of pearls round her neck bracelets on her arms and fastened a glistening row of stars to her bosom knowing she had beautiful hands bertha disdained to wear rings but now she covered her fingers with diamonds and emeralds and sapphires finally she stood before the looking-glass and gave a laugh of pleasure she was not old yet but when she sailed into the drawing-room edward jumped up in surprise good lord he cried what on earth's up have we got people coming to dinner my dear if we had i should not have dressed like this you got up as if the prince of wales were coming and i'm only in knickerbockers it's not our wedding day no then i should like to know why you've dressed yourself up like that i thought it would please you she said smiling i wish you'd told me i'd have dressed too are you sure no one's coming quite sure well i think i ought to dress it would look so queer if someone turned up if anyone does i promise you i'll fly they went in to dinner edward feeling very uncomfortable and keeping his ear alert for the front door bell they ate their soup and then were set on the table the remains of a cold leg of mutton and mashed potatoes bertha looked for a moment blankly and then leaning back burst into peal upon peal of laughter good lord what's the matter now asked edward nothing is more annoying than to have people violently hilarious over a joke that you cannot see bertha held her sides and tried to speak i've 
just remembered that i told the servants they might go out to-night there's a circus at blackstable and i said we'd just eat up the odds and ends i don't see any joke in that and really there was none but bertha laughed again immoderately i suppose there are some pickles said edward bertha repressed her gaiety and began to eat that is my whole life she murmured under her breath to eat cold mutton and mashed potatoes in a ball dress and all my diamonds End of chapter thirty four